0: Red Dragon has quickly become a favorite for South Africans in the world thanks to solid build quality, great performance, and comfortable ergonomics. Following numerous requests from fans for more color options, the Red Dragon range is now available in pink. Shop keyboards, headsets, and more over on reddragon.co.za. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Africa. So it's a bit different today. We're starting on a Monday, which is weird. No, you're not in the wrong timeline. Uh, we've just had technical difficulties last week. Uh, but joining me, as always, is Clinton Amatos. Hello again, everybody. And Robin Lichetti. Howdy. Uh, well, I don't, I don't want to say how's your week been, because we've just started, but hopefully you guys had a good weekend. Um Obviously, at the weekend, the Oscars took place, and we're going to be chatting about that in a little bit. Um, but first, let's get to some news. Clinton, Among Us had a DDoS attack at the weekend?
1: I'm laughing there, not because that happened, but because of the, uh, the reaction from the developer. Yeah, so Among Us was hit by DDoS, and... It's funny not because it happened but because of the reaction to it from the developers of among us so this happened on friday it was mainly targeted at the north america and european servers and they put out a tweet saying someone really had a ddos us at the end of the workday shake my head it's 5 p.m i wanted to take a nap this is so rude so that was hilarious um even though it's kind of serious i'm pretty sure you know pulling off a ddos is literally illegal um, and these problems happened throughout the weekend. Uh, another t- On Saturday, they provided an update saying things were still a bit broken. And the person said, uh, I wanted to get a croissant, but now I'm working, which again was very funny. <laughs> um, now on Monday, uh, we don't have an update that it's fixed. But the official account for the game updated their Twitter name to say servers may be okay now, question mark. So there's no big announcement that have been fixed. Um, when you try to play, especially if you're not in those two areas that were mostly affected, you may still be able to get into a game. And I, don't want, I wanted to bring this up to also ask you, Brendan, you cover uh, like cyber security mm. and DDoS attacks and stuff like that much more than me. Have you ever seen a company <laughs> react like this?
0: I mean, I've seen some really questionable reactions in the past. Like, just <laughs> oh, everything's fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, but this is the first where somebody's taken such a joking tone. I mean, it's a bit. It was a bit jarring to read what they were saying, uh, because this is quite serious. Um, but also, I mean, you've got kind of got to take these things with a grain of salt, right? I mean, it's not nice to be going through a DDoS attack, and I'm sure a social media manager's job is to just keep people happy and that sort of thing. So
1: those engagement numbers, yeah. And like, yeah, I did say it's a crime, but it's not. Not like someone was killed or injured. It's just uh, probably some script kiddies being. Yeah. Irritating script, kiddies. Uh, it's just, I was reading this, and it was uh, I laughed a lot when I read it, um, kind of sardonic, sort of and uh, <laughs> I had to bring it up, and uh, I was reading somewhere, uh, I can't remember where it was, it might have been on Twitter, but someone said, who's DDoSing among us? Does anyone even play that game? But uh, it's still fairly popular from yeah. what I've seen, and it's still making a lot of money. So, yeah, I, I'm sure somebody just had a bad game, yeah. and they're like, that's
0: it. <laughs> That's I was gonna it. say, this seems like somebody who uh, had a bad game and uh, just just decided to uh, take matters into their own
1: hands. If yeah. I can't win, nobody can win. And usually, when you see stuff like this happen, it's because like the developer or the publisher will make a bad choice that's like anti-consumer, or it will be done for like extortion reasons mm. where they'll want a ransom. But maybe they have received that and they haven't made it public but i don't see any like group or person taking um credit for all of this so it, it is almost certainly just someone in a bad mood or someone who discovered our scripts worked and like let me let me take down the funny amogus game so yeah that's it's not a long news story i just wanted to bring it up because you know you got to make the best of a bad situation yeah. and if I had to work late on a Friday because somebody tried to do something illegal to my company, I'd also be like, "Come on, it's five o'clock on Friday. I want to, I want to go have a nap." I'm uh, very sympathetic for anyone who wants to just go have a little lie down. <laughs> so you can check out my link to that. Um, like I said, uh, if you try to play the game now, it's a bit of a of a guess if you'll actually get in or not. But if you really want to have the game, boot it up, see if it works. And if it doesn't, just uh, just don't waste more of your time. Just try yeah. again in a few days. I'm sure it will be fixed soon. This happened over the weekend, and there probably weren't all hands on deck to fix it. But now that it's Monday, there probably will be.
0: Cool. Uh, moving on, uh, sticking with weird responses to things. Uh, the ongoing war in Ukraine i seen Vice Prime Minister and Minister of Digital Transformation, Mikhailo Fedorov, uh, tweeting up a storm. And at the weekend, he tweeted something that kind of had me scratching my head, but I suppose makes a bit of sense. Uh, he tweeted, While Russia uses tanks to destroy Ukraine, we, on, we rely on revolutionary blockchain tech. Meta History UA NFT museum is launched, the place to keep the memory of the war and a place to celebrate Ukrainian identity and freedom. So what's he on about there? Well, The Ukrainian government seems to have created the Meta History Museum of War, uh, which has been set up to, quote, preserve the memory of the real events of that time, to spread truthful information among the digital community in the world, and to collect donations for the support of Ukraine. So what this is, is it's basically an NFT sale website that tracks the, uh, the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Um, by way of NFTs that are kind of time marked for certain big events that happened throughout the invasion. So if you go and look at what's there, um, the first one that's that in the collection is uh, time marked 5.45 on the 24th of February, which is when uh, Russia uh, invaded Ukraine. Um, and it, it's just a bit bizarre. If you scroll through the collection, you can see a whole bunch of things with um, – Uh, tweets from boris johnson featured uh, and all of these nfts feature art from nft artists in the ukraine Um, i didn't know nft artist was a thing but uh, i guess it is now Um, and there's a total of 54 uh, pieces in this entire collection all proceeds will be going to the ukrainian army and uh, the people of ukraine Um, and the collection goes on sale tomorrow the 26th of february at midnight Um, It's a bit of a weird one, but uh, Ukraine has been accepting donations in cryptocurrency since the conflict began. Uh, Coindesk reported earlier this month that they would received uh, about $100 million worth of uh, donations in cryptocurrency, um, the majority of which came through the Ukrainian-based exchange Kuna. Um, But yeah, this is just a really weird one. Um, I suppose in times of war, things will... it will push you to do things that you previously might not have. Um, But yeah, I wonder how much value these NFTs will have after the fact, because I mean, that's the whole point of buying an NFT, isn't it? Is that uh, in the future, it will be worth more money. Um, I don't know too much about this being worth more money after the fact. And I don't know, I feel a bit scummy about selling my NFT on later down the line to make money off of, what is essentially a
1: war, um, yeah, a bit of a weird one here. Oh. That being said, um, a lot of people say that our uh, uh, cryptocurrencies used to buy drugs and weapons. I think mm. the uh, the latter is uh, very appropriate here. Yeah, I won't be upset if the government takes that money and I don't know finds a black market arms dealer who takes crypto. <laughs> and like, yeah, we'll sell you some AK 47, sure thing, boss. Um, so I, I just had that thought. That's I don't know if the if that exists to the extent that it used to, where you can just buy illicit things um with crypto. I don't know how true that is anymore. But mm. it'll be uh, it'll be pretty cool. There'll probably be a movie how like some person organized this and you know traded a hundred bitcoin for some tanks or something like that. It'll be interesting if that actually happens. So yeah,
0: link to the story at the bottom of the page. Robin, moving on to you, you've been playing a game that I've been waiting to play for a long time. Ghostwire Tokyo, how has how did you find that game?
2: Yeah, so I, th- I think we discussed it early in the month when you were kind of previewing titles that were coming up. And it was a really interesting one for me as well. It kind of ticked a lot of the boxes. Uh, I will unashamedly say that I am an otaku. So the fact that it's kind of set in Tokyo was a, was a really big plus for me. And yeah, um, we've been able to play it on the PS5. And it is... It's mixed. Um, So I I don't want to sit on the fence too much about this, but there are elements of the game that are really exciting, really interesting, and can really draw you in further. Um, And I'll I'll kind of focus on this for this discussion now. But the the elements that really were, I guess, middling was really the gameplay. Um, The developers uh, that is Tango Gameworks, they... Created this kind of fighting system. It's a, it's a first person based uh, game, mm. and it uses almost like an ethereal uh, spirit weaving technique. So if you think of uh, I guess ninjutsu in some of the Naruto games, and kind of uh, the different hand gestures that they use to kind of chain together attacks, that's kind of the, the way the system works here. Um, it's it's kind of also elemental based. So there's wind and fire, etc. Uh, as far as your attacks can go, um, you can kind of develop and uh your skill tree based on types of attacks and whatnot but the actual gameplay itself can feel a little bit uh boring after a while a lot of the time you're just spamming um one button to kind of take out the the enemies that are approaching you um the enemies in this case are they called visitors which are essentially spirits that have come to inhabit Tokyo now that the citizens of the city have been uh have disappeared as a result of this fog um, and the antagonist in this, uh, in this game is uh, just called uh, the man in the Hanya mask so um, it is a really interesting story I think it's, it's definitely something I would have seen say in an anime series before where you have a um, I guess a parasite and host relationship um, in this case our protagonist his name is Akito Izuki and the I guess the parasite for lack of a better term, His name is KK. He's a wandering spirit that chooses to inhabit Akita's body just as he's about to die. Um, and that's kind of how he's able to survive in this world when everyone else in Tokyo has essentially vanished. It is a little eerie. You kind of see their their, their clothes and shoes strewn all over this all over the streets and inside of buildings, but there's absolutely no one around aside from the aforementioned uh, visitors who are the enemies in the game. And that's, I think, where the game really excels um, as far as exploring the city goes. Um, The recreation of Tokyo itself is nigh perfect. Um, There are a little bit of uh, little quirky elements. For example, um, there's a famous store in Shibuya called Loft. Uh, In the game... It has the same lettering, same branding as Loft, but it's called Left. So I'm guessing they had to kind of sidestep any uh, legal issues on that front. But um, things like Shibuya Crossing, the Tokyo Tower, kind of like, I guess, iconic tourist attractions in Tokyo are all present in the game. So I guess to kind of explore those without having to worry about throngs of people uh, being in the way is kind of interesting. Um, Also, I guess the more eerie elements of a kind of rain soak yet neon-lit Tokyo is quite cool. Um, The actual visual elements are really impressive. And I guess that's probably where the game excels as far as kind of creating this world. Um, And there are some interesting elements as far as the backstories of both uh, Kito and KK are concerned. Um, It is a little bit tropey, I guess, as far as their relationship starts off uh, with some reluctant hesitance um, and they slowly get to know one another and start to cooperate and kind of... I guess, have become, I guess, m- more loyal to one another as the game progresses. Um, but yeah, uh, as far as, is, I guess, kind of steeping this world in Japanese or, I guess, mytho- mythological lore, it is quite interesting um, the use of Shinto or other to- Tori gates to uh, as kind of object- objectives in the game that you have to kind of cleanse uh, in order to, I-, I guess it would be the equivalent of the radio tower in far cry titles so there are elements that are kind of drawn on i guess uh from popular game genres and they represented it in a really interesting way but for me the gameplay isn't um it doesn't have any lasting appeal for me so the fact that this game on ps5 retails for 1300 rand essentially it becomes a difficult sell so Mm -hmm. i would say if you are an otaku, if you are interested in exploring Tokyo uh, in this kind of really eerie setting, it is worthwhile playing, but you probably, you're, you're better off you kind know, of waiting a couple of months uh, until the the price of the game actually drops down a bit. And I think then it's probably better value for money as far mm. as exploration goes. If you're hoping that this will be a truly unique gameplay experience, I don't think it is. I think the setting is unique. Um, the Some of the storyline and some of the beats are quite unique, but... As far as gameplay is concerned, I don't think it's necessary anything any new to the genre. So, again, uh, some areas it really excels; others it's a bit middling. I think it is worth checking out, but perhaps a couple of months down the line.
1: Two things about it: quick. Um, do you think that patches could? I don't say save it, but do you think patches could address some of these problems, or are they are they game design problems that are just very integral to the whole game, and you don't think a patch could change it?
2: Yeah, for for me, it's it's like the core mechanics of the of the fighting gameplay. So it would need a significant overhaul to be more appealing, in my view. I'm not too sure patch would address that.
1: The other thing I wanted to ask is, uh, I was planning to go to Japan in uh in twenty twenty, <laughs> and you know, uh all of the stuff happened. Um, is this a replacement for going to Japan? <laughs>
2: um, not to be that guy, uh, but having gone there myself, it is. It'll never, it'll never be the real thing. I think it's yeah. a really interesting concept. Uh, as far as I, like, I think outside of perhaps the Yakuza titles, which are a little bit more campy and over the top, not to say that the storyline here is grounded in reality, but I think the representation of Tokyo here is pretty solid. Um, yeah, so, so I'd say it obviously never beat the real thing, um, but it is one of the better representations of Tokyo that I've seen in the game.
0: Maybe watch uh, *Alice in Borderland* if you uh, if you have a jonesing to see Japan without any people in it. Um, have you guys I've seen been, that ser- show?
1: Um, I th- I, I've been meaning to because I watched um, I watched Squid Game. Yeah. And then the first thing that came up <laughs> after the credits of the last episode, like you you want to watch this? Very similar, yeah. very similar. So it's, it, um, is, it is it is sort of similar to Squid Game, but it it's very different. Have you seen it, Robin?
2: Uh, no, I haven't. Um, okay. I guess I kind of steered clear of the Southeast Asian stuff on Netflix for some reason. Yeah.
0: Uh, yeah. Sorry. There's <laughs> There's no, some really good stuff. If you uh, if you're looking for some really good horror and some shows with twists and turns, I highly recommend a lot of the Southeast Asian stuff that is on Netflix. Uh, it, it's it's really really good. Um, cool. i I'm curious to see if this game uh, gets any better with age. I'm sure it will. Uh, it's. But we'll have to just wait and see, right? Uh, it's out on PC and PlayStation 5, correct, Robin? That is correct. Cool. Uh, despite Xbox owning Bethesda, it's not on Xbox yet. Ooh. Previous <laughs> contracts, Brendan. Yeah, oh, yeah, it. yeah. That old, that old chestnut, right? Make your first move into the world of custom keyboards with the Redragon K617 Fizz and the Scarab Mechanical Keycaps in pink. The 61 key Mechanical Keyboard is the perfect fit for the double shot injection, super durable keycaps, but you can use whichever keyboard you prefer. Find out more by heading to reddragon.co.za. So moving on, last night the uh, Academy Awards took place and the big winner was social media because everybody cannot stop talking about Will Smith and Chris Rock uh, who... Got into an altercation, I guess is the best way to describe it. I don't want to pick sides. Dude, word is assault. <laughs> yeah, assault. Right. Uh, Will Smith slapped Chris Rock after he made some really bad comments about Jada Pinkett Smith. Um, I'm not going to get into it, but we do want to talk about the Oscars uh, because I don't know about you guys, but if uh, Will Smith and Chris Rock had not had that altercation, I wouldn't have known that they'd happened. Um, let let's start with that point. Do you guys is the are the Academy Awards something you look forward to? Is it something that you care about at all? Robin, let's start with you.
2: Um, it was when I guess when I was younger. Yeah. Um just to kind of see like that and the Emmys and the Golden Globes. That was really what I used to get an idea of what's good that's out that I haven't necessarily seen yet. But I guess uh that was like a decade ago. <laughs> yeah. So I'm a very really old man nowadays. <laughs> Everything's online. Everything is immediate, so you know have a pretty good idea of what's out there already. Um, so yeah, interestingly, uh, I was having breakfast with my family on Saturday morning. Mm. Uh, we had the radio on, and that's the reason we found out that uh, the Oscars was happening on Sunday evening <laughs> because we were on the radio. <laughs> that's how kind of crazy, or how I guess not as important anymore. The Oscars are to us.
0: And yourself,
1: Clinton? Do you care? Did you know that they were happening? so absolutely not um we were discussing it before the we started the podcast and we're reading some of the we'll get into it now we're reading some of the movies and i haven't seen a lot of them and it's just it's rich people just patting themselves on the back which i don't care for at the best of times uh i i really look forward to um to a few content creators Uh, listen to them as a podcast while i do other things but i i follow a few content creators who create things around movies so when it's oscar season they talk about that i listen i I look forward to that but that i think has more to do with them and much less to do with the oscars so really don't care apri uh only good when the unexpected happened uh which is what happened here so yeah i don't care and i had no idea it was happening this weekend
0: yeah, so um, I just want to run over some of the uh, winners in each category. So actor in a leading role, Will Smith um, for King Richard. Uh, actor in a supporting role, supporting role Troy Kotscher from CODA. Um, actress in a leading role, Jessica Chastain from The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Actress in a supporting role winner was Ariana Debois in West Side Story. Uh, animated feature film was Encanto. Um which uh, if you're on TikTok, you know every single song from that movie. Uh, winner for cinematography. I'm very happy to see that Dune won. Uh, costume design, Cruella. Jenna Bevan from Cruella. Uh, the costume designer from Cruella, rather, uh, won there. The best or oh, winner in directing is Power of the Dog, Jane Champion. Uh, the best documentary feature, uh, Summer of Soul, or When the Revolution Could Not Be Televised, was the winner there. Um, and now we're just getting into some of the more out there things like makeup. Uh, June did win a number of really good awards uh, for editing uh, the music and original score. Uh, which, if you watched that in a movie, wasn't it really the the music really loud compared
1: to everything else? You guys yeah, watched in cinema, didn't you? I um like early screening of that. Because I don't usually pay to see stuff in IMAX. It's just too expensive. That's another conversation. Anyway, I saw the movie and it was so loud that I had to stick my fingers in my ears. Wow. It it was unbearably loud in IMAX. And that was on the Thursday and the movie was coming out on Friday. And I said you bought IMAX tickets. Um I'm not even joking. It's so loud. And and Robin was like, Yeah, whatever. And then he went to go see it, and the next day is like, it was, like, yeah, was really, it was really loud. Well, I hate to ruin this for you both, but Dune
0: won Best Sound. So well,
1: it, the sound was good. <laughs> it was just too much of it. Yeah, yeah.
0: But expect more of that because uh, it won Best Sound. Um, so Dune won a lot of, lot of awards. Obviously not for Best Actor or Best Film. Um, but uh, Best Picture went to Coda, um, which we'll talk about. Uh, uh, It's a very interesting set of events that went on there. Um, I'm sad to see that Don't Look Up didn't win, but I was kind of just hoping that in a kind of ironic way (laughs) um, because I didn't think that that movie was going to win an Oscar ever, uh, especially with the editing that was done there. I know the editing was done in in like an artistic manner, but – it was not Oscar-worthy editing, at least from what we've seen over the past couple of years. Um, so I wanted to chat about Coda because Coda is a—it's uh, an Apple original series. Oh, sorry, Apple. Ugh, listen to me—I can't talk today. Uh, it's an Apple or well, film that premiered on Apple TV Plus. Uh, so, Robin, correct me if I'm wrong. This was an indie film that was picked up by Apple TV. Correct. Yeah,
2: they paid, I think, around about 25 million US dollars for this. Uh, They had the exclusive rights to it. And uh, they also paid another 10 million uh, US dollars. And I guess, the promotion for the award season, which, hmm. uh, as it turns out, kind of worked out to their benefit.
0: Yeah. So uh, I think we need to make this distinction was that this was an indie film that Apple then bought and well, bought the exclusive rights to. Um, so it wasn't something that was produced by Apple. It wasn't an Apple TV plus original, like something like Ted Lasso or Foundation or whatever it may be. Um, but this does raise an interesting interesting question because now we have uh, a streaming service that has now breached into hallowed ground or the hallowed ground of the people that believe it's hallowed ground that is the Academy Awards. Um, and I think that a lot of streaming services have tried their hand at getting into the Oscars. I mean, Don't Look Up was there among uh, nominees for Best Picture, um, but it didn't win. And I think that, For me, at least, the reason that these films struggle to uh, win Oscars is because they're just still Hollywood blockbusters that are now on a streaming service. And unfortunately, Hollywood blockbusters don't really get nominated for awards, right? Like if you look at something like, um, what's the latest Ryan Reynolds film? The Adam Project. So that's a nice Hollywood Hollywood film with uh, A-list celebrities and a really stellar cast. But I don't think that that movie will ever get an Oscar because it's just a mindless Hollywood blockbuster, right? No, no offense to um to what's his name, <laughs> Ryan Reynolds, and, yeah. and the director and all the actors and everybody that worked on the movie. I really enjoyed it, but it's not a film to me that says, "Oh, this is an Oscar film." However. There is a film on Netflix right now that could one like could have been in the Oscars, and that's called Windfall. Um, have you guys seen Windfall at all? No. Okay, so so it's a very very um, small cast. Uh, it features. Sorry, let me just pull up the IMD pe- – IMD, Oh, sorry, I can I can look on one page because all the actors are here. It stars Lily Collins, Jesse Plemons, and Jason Segel. And it's a story about a guy who breaks into a billionaire's house and tries to rob him when the billionaire arrives home unexpectedly. And the whole movie plays out from one pl- once, one setting with these three actors. A fourth actor does eventually enter. Um, but for the most part, you're dealing with these three. And it's a really, really great movie that kind of you don't see the end coming. Um, I, I don't think I'm ruining anything there because it, it was just really shocking. But it's a really, really good film. But that movie is never going to get an Oscar because it's just not really Oscar sort of material. But I want to ask you guys: Do you think that that uh, streaming services should be trying to win awards like this, or
1: should they be j- just be doing their own thing? Let's start with you, Clinton. So it's something that not a lot of people talk about, right, is the um, four-year consideration campaigns. That's when movie studios put millions and millions of dollars into basically schmoozing the um, committee. Now, it might become liable, but it's uh, to pay your way into the. No matter how good your movie is, uh, you are not going to get a nod unless you do that. So now we come into the problem of these uh, companies, the streaming services and stuff like that, to pick and choose what movies their campaigns and how much they're going to spend for the your consideration stuff so i just want to point that out because things don't just win on their own merit Mm. there is millions of dollars and hundreds of thousands of man hours into someone walking up on that stage and collecting a trophy do i think that these movies just because they're on streaming uh will or won't get um nominated i I honestly think where the movie is means very little mm-hmm. I think what matters much more is the people who are on the committee and how much they know of these movies and it's been a dirty secret that some of the winners the can watch it's uh you can, there's many examples of this where the people on the committee don't watch all their movies that they have to and you know we said oh we haven't seen this movie we haven't seen this movie and all of that on the the committee to so you know our opinion in that way doesn't matter because we're not um handing him out so my stance on streaming versus is it prestige and all of that none of it matters uh, is is if uh, tom dick and harry get sent lots of expensive stuff by the studios and uh, I don't know if Netflix will release this in the like quarterly, uh, quarterly earnings and everything, but for the money they spent on whatever they want to call a promotion or advertising and stuff like that, how much of that went to the the committee for the your consideration? Oh, we'll never know that. We'll never know yeah. that figure. It's it's probably shocking and more than the price, the GDP of some small countries. So I don't want to talk about it much more because I'll just get ranty. Uh What do you think, Robin? So.
2: I think the the pandemic has been the the great equalizer. I know that Netflix, in particular, campaigned really hard for their movies prior to the pandemic hitting, yeah. uh, for the, for them to be considered. I know, for example, I mean, like the Cannes Film Festival, they turned down a lot of Netflix projects purely for the fact that they were streaming first. Um, I know that previously a lot of these uh, film academies. Boards and whatever you want to call them. Um, a lot of the criteria are based on the fact that the film has to be in cinemas, which obviously wasn't very feasible during the pandemic. Yeah, it's changed somewhat over the past six months. You look at um, Spider Man Nowhere Home and the Batman, and even Dune to some respect. So, um, I'm not too sure whether that's going to change once we're post pandemic, um, whether or not the streaming servers are going to get pushed aside again. Um, so. I do kind of feel like streaming services have very much been about lack of a better term, entertainment. Mm-hmm. Not that a Oscar-winning film can't be entertaining, but it is very much about binging and just kind of vegging out in front of the TV and just kind of consuming content. Uh, I always, not to sound too grandiose about it or elitist, but I always feel like a Oscar-winning film, there has to be a bit, I guess, a bit more substance to it. Mm-hmm. So I can understand sometimes why streaming platforms are kind of pushed to the side. But, for example, like Coda, I know that Apple didn't produce it. They bought the rights to it. But yeah. that's a great example uh, that actually there is a avenue for indie films, for smaller uh, production films to kind of get a stage. Mm-hmm. So... That, like I said, the pandemic has been the great equalizer. I'm just hoping it remains that because I think you can have a full spectrum on a a, uh, streaming platform. You don't, because you take, for example, Netflix. Mm. uh, They had The Irishman whenever they were, I think it was about two years ago. Yeah. That was a big uh, film that got a lot of nominations. Didn't win much, but uh, it got nominations. Uh, This year, I think The Way of the Dog, uh, Jane Campion won for directing. That's Mm. a Netflix project as well. So there are. Um, I guess there's a place for these kind of forms on streaming services. Um, it's just now really up to these committees if they want to, I guess, I guess a bit more open-minded as far as what they consider, because again, there is a, a high degree of elitism to it.
0: I mean, those are all good points. I also think that's something that uh, streaming services are very cognizant of. Well, it's nice to get a a Best Picture Oscar for Apple. Um, I don't know whether they're looking at this going, oh, we should make more movies like this because that's a really costly play if you think about it, right? Because, well, Coda has won itself an Oscar. How many people is this going to bring to Apple's platform now? Um, Like, I know that Apple has a lot of, like, Show or when I say a lot of it has one show that brings a lot of people in, and that's Ted Lasso, and that's won numerous awards already. Um, but I don't know whether an Oscar film is enough to bring more people to the service. Uh, it's I'm sure it's nice for Apple to say the uh, the platform with Oscar winning movies. You know that that's a really great draw. But I mean, on the other side of that, I mean, if you look at some of the winners. I mean is that really that that great of a great of a, a claim to make? I mean yeah. Like I don't want to throw any shade at any of the these films but I mean if if you say to me oh it's an Oscar winning film and it's something from like 1982 uh, I I don't really care and the same sort of goes for Coda like i i want i would like to watch coda cuz it seems like an interesting movie but is it going to get me to sign up and stay with um uh apple tv plus outside of when ted lasso is being screened probably not i'm probably just going to go and sign up for apple tv plus again when there's a show that i want to watch um netflix is a is is a is a bit of a different beast because it is so big and there's so much content from many different avenues that you, you can watch. Um, but I also don't know whether they're looking to invest in things in more movies like Don't Look Up. Like it, it broadened a lot of viewers, I'm sure. But that is what, what makes the uh, makes the case for these movies and these series, right? Is how many people it brings in through the front door and how many people it keeps in. Uh, on netflix or whichever platform we're talking about here because ultimately that's what matters to these folks is how much time you are spent watching something i mean uh i'm still very butthurt about this but uh the santa clarita diet was one of my favorite shows on netflix and it was just canceled for no reason um maybe there there weren't that many people watching it which i really doubt because i know a lot of people who are watching that movie similarly uh uh, the Patriot report with, uh, well, Patriot Act with Hassan Minhaj. I mean, that was a fantastic show, um, and Netflix just cancelled it. We don't, we still to this day don't know why. Um, and yeah, it it just at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many awards a film wins if it doesn't have the viewer numbers. Um, these these companies aren't going to uh, pursue projects like this in the future. Uh, Which is really sad because now that Don't Look Up has not won an award, I do wonder whether we will see a movie like that on Netflix again. I'm sure we will, but um, it's probably not going to have the same sort of quality that Don't Look Up had. Uh, And I know,
1: sorry, yeah, Clinton? Well, when we talk about stuff like this, I just have to think how much of this is them testing what kind of content they should make and how much of it is just purely advertising. Because, I mean, it got us to talk about it, didn't it? Fair enough. Um, Yeah, for all these advertising campaigns, um, the for-your-consideration stuff, I'm sure a large part of it isn't them thinking it's going to boost this movie sales by so much if we have an an Oscar winner in it. I, I really think a large part of it is that Uh, it's just advertising for them. You know, Mm. it's another feather in the cap um, of the advertising department. And, you know, when we do advertising for our streaming service next year, we can put, you know, we've got Oscar stuff on here, but then we also have fun blockbuster stuff. We can just turn off your brain. We've got it all. Mm. So uh, I'm sure the accountants over there aren't sweating it and thinking, oh, now we have to spend millions every quarter to buy these indie art house films and win Oscars. They just think, okay, that was a cool experiment. Um, We'll look at the books and get back to you. But at least now we can say our streaming service has an Oscar to it in some form or another. So I really don't think it's as black and white as like a movie turning a profit or turning a loss or whatever. I just think it's more to do for advertising and also just as an experiment. You know, Mm -hmm. Streaming is still a relatively new frontier, especially when it comes to interfacing with an old institution like the Oscars. So again, it's a, it's a bit of an experimentation. Maybe they do now pursue more Oscar bait stuff and then they have lots of Oscars, but then they look at the books and they say, oh, we've made a giant loss this quarter or whatever, mm. and then they won't buy anymore. So I think it's not just, yeah, it's it's a combination of advertising and also experimentation. Uh, Robin, your thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think that's a fair point. Yeah. Um... With, 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 we highlighted something like uh, Patriot Act. Mm. Um, this is rumour-mongering, but I heard that Netflix behind the scenes has a a six-and-done uh, plan for any and all series. Yeah. So from what I understand, Patriot Act kind of ran its course as far as Netflix was concerned, even though obviously it's host to Sam and a, a large number of viewers on the internet wanted to continue watching it. Mm. For them... It was done. Uh, I think something like uh, Orange is New Black, for example, that's a series that almost built Netflix as far as popularity yeah. goes. And it's kind of gone to the wayside as well. So I think they're very, for me, um, having a, a series that has won many of awards or a movie that has won an Oscar is not necessarily about the clout it gives you among viewers I think it's more about the clout it gives you in the industry. It means mm-hmm. that you can attract more high-profile talent as far, uh, both behind the camera and in front of the camera. I think that's probably the reason why uh, Netflix is is um, concerning itself so heavily with, with trying to get more awards. Um, you also kind of think about the fact that film producers are going to want to hit to Netflix first because they know that their chances of potentially winning awards or getting greater exposure is high on Netflix. I know there's a great risk to that as well because of just the sheer breadth of content that's on that platform to to actually get some kind of notoriety on there is really, really difficult. So uh, I agree with uh, Clinton's point as far as things still very much being an experiment. And at the end of the day, it's up to the bean counters as far as – whether these projects uh, succeed or fail uh, long term, but um, yeah, I think it's it's really also up to what the platform wants to be known for. Mm. Um, I'm not sitting in Cupertino. I don't know what Apple's thoughts are, but to me, it seems like they want to that uh, I guess segment their platform as somewhere that is very much focused quote-unquote, I guess, RT projects. I know, obviously, Ted yeah. Lasso is an obsession that's a comedy, uh, but it looks like they are looking for, I guess, it's almost like they want to be, I know HBO has HBO Max, but they want to be the HBO, the new HBO of <laughs> streaming platforms, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah.
1: No, I, I, sorry, doesn't go ahead. Yeah, I just wanted to say that's a very good point about um, not just putting a feather in your cap, but also using it as I don't know, a bargaining tool for um, big name people. Because if you want like Chris Nolan uh, to come make a Netflix project, if you also say to Chris Nolan, you know, we'll give you a giant burlap sack full of money uh, with the dollar sign painted on the side. And also we'll dedicate a few million into an Oscar campaign. That second part might be more interesting than the first mm. part. Um, you know, when these people, they have so much money and everything, they might care much more about a little golden statue than like a hundred million dollars. And that's just how it is. They already have all the money in the world and they just want prestige. They want people in the academy and people in the public to just think highly of them. And if you can't attract that talent with pure money, maybe use the Oscars as another chip to do that, another bargaining chip.
0: Cool. Um. So the next thing I want to talk about is with the success of Coda, uh, which is by all rights, of, well, before Apple purchased it, was an indie film. I wonder if there's not a a space in the market for indie, like an indie film streaming service, right? Um. If you just look at something like Sundance Festival, there's been some really great films that have come out there, documentaries. Um. And I kind of feel that the Oscars, as Clinton has has explained. Oh, uh, touched on, rather, uh, at length already. Um, the Oscars is very much how much you can pay, not how popular your movie is. Um, <clears throat> I don't want to get sued by the Oscar people, so allegedly it's about uh, how, much, how much you pay rather than uh, how popular your film is. And I do wonder whether there's a space for something like an indie film festival to start up its own streaming service, maybe something that's on demand, um, yeah, because I think a lot of those films fail to get the recognition that they deserve. And Coda, I suppose, has kind of, Well, Apple has helped Coda in, in that respect. But I just... I think that there's so many great film directors and uh, writers that are coming out of the indie scene. And I know that YouTube and... Um, well, places like YouTube help give those people a platform to kind of showcase what they're doing. But I do wish that there was a way for somebody like me, who's perhaps not as entrenched in the film scene and not entrenched in these these little indie uh, festivals that happen, um, if there's a way for me to kind of watch these films, because I don't want the first time I hear about a film like Coda to be at the Oscars, because that kind of taints my my expectation of the film. Right? Um, I'm expecting like this really incredibly moving story, and if it doesn't, if it fails to meet that hype. Then I'm just going to be disappointed, and you know that sucks for the creators because they didn't build it up like that. The Oscars, or by being part of the Oscars, it was built up like that. So I do wonder if there's not space for an indie, an indie streaming service, or am I just am? Is there such a thing, or am I just talking out of my butt at this point? Uh, Clinton, what do you think?
1: So I know that a few of the film festivals did offer streaming. But it was on an invite basis, and I could be wrong about that. Um, Again, some of the content creators I followed did say either last year or the year before that, that um, they went to like Sundance and they watched some or all of the movies online. But again, that's not really like a Netflix or indie movies. But they are offering that to some degree. I I just don't know if it scales. Indie movies are, by extension, small budget and small Mm. scope and when you're talking about streaming you have to be extremely big you know it's the economy of scale you need a lot of people subscribing and a lot of money every month just to cover stuff like servers so i i don't think it could exist on its own Mm. i really think a big company one of the big streaming services could say we now have like an indie section or like it's a different login if you want to make it like even more prestige and you know you're still paying for your normal Netflix or your normal Amazon Prime or your normal whatever it is, yeah. but then you also get access to you know Indie Plus, or whatever it's called. It's probably going to be called something like that. <laughs> um, I think they could have a lot of success like that, but then I think some of them may think, well, then why don't we just why don't we just put it on the normal Netflix? Why make that distinction between your Indie and your AAA? and we're going to separate you arbitrarily mm. um you know if you're good enough for the studio or the streaming company to want you in some capacity they're just going to put you on the normal website um and this is a conversation people have been having since art was created the difference between populous art and um, smaller scale stuff and patronage and stuff like that this isn't a new conversation but it is a conversation now framed by um by streaming. Mm. So I I think the best way for it to work is just to not make the distinction. Um, But maybe people are making these indie films have a different opinion. Maybe they do want them, their movies and their films and their shows separate from the bigger name stuff, I could be wrong. But I think if the further you remove the indie stuff from the mainstream, Mm. the less people are going to see it. So you might you may be having the opposite effect. You want to make a streaming service to give more credence to the indies but then you're putting them in this box so that less people will see them Yeah. so I, I think the best solution is just to lump it all into the main streaming platform but maybe I'm wrong Robin what do you think?
2: Yeah I tend to agree with Clinton's point there um, I guess speaking more anecdotally I subscribe to a YouTube channel called Amalita, and that has a lot of indie films and kind of short films that kind of do the the, uh, I guess, independent uh, festival circuit. Mm. And I really enjoy that channel. But would I pay for access to a service like that? I don't think so. Again, economies of scale um, probably wouldn't work out, especially when you consider how many other streaming platforms there are They're kind of vying for attention. Mm. So I agree with Linton in that just try and get the indie content onto a major platform. Um, kind of see what happens. Uh, I think Coda is a potential outlier because I kind of quoted a figure of... It, it was reported around around $35 million just to get the rights and then get the campaign behind it for yeah. for the Oscar win. That is a lot of money to be throwing around every indie project when yeah. it's really a coin flip as to whether or not it's, it's, it's successful or can actually win, get you back the money because look i I don't have uh i'm not again I'm not sitting in cupertinas so I don't know what the projections are for for coda but I'm mm-hmm. not sure if they're necessarily gonna make the money back on that thirty five million um so financially it would probably wouldn't make sense to spin up a indie only streaming service rather try and lump it in with the rest of the stuff and see how it goes because um I also think that there might be a little hesitancy hesitancy from uh, more general consumers if something is indie. They might not necessarily give it the time and intention it might need. Uh, Just kind of throw it in there and see what happens. Um, Yeah, I I know that uh, movie theaters have their kind of indie-focused production houses and kind of spin-offs. But yeah, as far as having a standalone indie streaming service, it probably wouldn't work on a on a massive scale or rather it wouldn't generate the kind of in, income to be sustainable long-term.
0: Cool. So uh, to wrap up, I want to ask you guys a, a bit of a question here. So if we don't, watch, none of us watch the Oscars um, and none of us keep up with what's going on there, um, how do you guys determine what's good to watch or what you're going to uh, invest your time in? Um, if not for award ceremonies. So like what sort of services do you use? If any, do you look at any review aggregation sites? Do you read individual reviews? How do you how do you determine what to spend your time on? Clinton?
1: Um, I'm kind of slapdash. <laughs> <laughs> I I watch way too much YouTube than I maybe should. Um I have I pay for a YouTube premium subscription. Mm-hmm. Um, because I feel like I watch so much of these individual creators that I would much rather pay for YouTube premium for, for those who don't know, instead of watching ads, you can pay for premium. And then the, the content creators are still supported. Basically they get a, the amount you pay based on, um, I just want to say that quick for people who don't know. So I, I feel like for the amount I watch and for the fact that a lot of them are small creators, I'm more inclined for them to get my money than a big company like netflix i do occasionally watch netflix if there's something big but in that um case uh, i just use my brother's account if, if netflix is listening i go to my brother's house <laughs> and i sit down and i watch his account while he's there as well so the oh, person okay he's also mm. enjoying the content so i do occasionally watch netflix um my parents pay for DSTV and I use their Showmax subscription because they don't do anything online. So some things on Showmax, I'll u- I'll use their login. Mm. And that one is allowed according to their rules. Yeah, uh, <laughs> That's why I didn't just skirt around that one. If you pay for DSTV, the, the highest subscription, you get Showmax for, for free, quote unquote. So those are the big ones I use. Um, In terms of like third-party coverage and stuff like that, I, again, on YouTube, I watch a lot of content creators. I listen to several podcasts that focus on, you know, pop culture, which involves movies. And I also just read a lot of sites. I'm not very uh, loyal to Mm. the websites I read. I kind of just read um, what my mutuals suggest to me. So yeah, I I take in a lot of stuff. But I think the main one is YouTube, um, just by watch time, because there's a a lot of niche stuff that you can only find there. Yeah. Robin, how do you gauge what you're going to spend your
0: money and time on in terms of movies and stuff?
2: So I'm not going to incriminate myself like Clinton. Um, (laughs) What I will say, though, is it really depends on the content and the platform. So um, previously, like I mentioned, I would use award shows like the Golden Globes or the Emmys to determine what what kind of series I wanted to watch. Mm. Uh, now I don't have to do that with a streaming platform. I can watch the first five minutes, and if it doesn't grab me, I'm on to the next thing. Um, when it comes to movies, however, and movies I want to watch in the actual theater, um, it's really luck of the draw. So I will watch trailers of a of a film uh, on online and kind of gauge my interest from there. So, And again, it's it's very much luck of the draw. So I'm thinking about the past couple of months I watched Metric Resurrections, Dune, uh, and the Batman. Those are pro- and those are probably the most notable ones. Mm. Two of those I really enjoyed. One of those I hated. Um, I can pretty. Much, I'm pretty sure people can guess which one was the terrible one. Um. So yeah, it really just depends on on the platform. Like something I want to watch is The Northman, and all I have to go on that is a couple of trailers. Yeah. Uh, I know that the director of it, Robert Eggers, he did The Lighthouse, so I have that kind of. Background to fall back, to fall back yeah. on, uh, for lack of a better term. So that's kind of how I, it, it informs my decisions. I will watch, and if it does pique my interest, I might do a little bit more investigations into it. I try not to stick clear of reviews, um, and just try and stick clear of social media in general because as much as hard as you try and apply filters, you will always get spoilers. Yeah. So I try and stick clear of those things. But like I said, when it comes to series, uh, I'm. Subscribe to a number of different streaming platforms. So I'll test it out for five, ten minutes if it's it not grabbing me. I'm on to the next thing. For movies, I'm a bit more selective and I'll do a bit more research.
0: So none of you mentioned review sites, and I I kind of lean heavily on them because I I just simply don't have time to keep up with everything that's happening in terms of movies and series and that sort of stuff. To so give you an idea, I only just finished watching Ozark. Like I started watching it in February and only just finished watching it now. Um, So when it comes to watching stuff, I am painfully behind. Um, If something catches my eye, I will watch it and maybe cover it for the website. But for the most part, like, I just miss things, man. Like, I'll go onto Google Play Movies and see, oh, this looks interesting, um, because that's where I generally rent movies or or purchase movies from, is from Google Play. Um, But... Yeah, I just generally kind of go to review sites and see what the most popular things are, and then I kind of gauge whether that's something that I want to watch. Like, for instance, I have no interest in House of Gucci, no matter how interesting and how many five stars it has. It's just not something that I'm interested in. Um, But then I will be the same person who will then go and watch um, Paranormal Activity Next of Kin, which currently has two and a half stars on Google Play Movies. Um, But I will watch that quite happily because I love bad movies, um, yeah so for me I just I look at review sites and then kind of just gauge what my taste is and then go from there there are some exceptions like when there's a movie that has a lot of hype around it like Dune um, I actually went and bought that on the Google Play store because I watched it once mm. and I was like man I need to watch this again and then I watched it again and yeah so for me it's really just looking at review sites and what's popular otherwise I'm just lost when it comes to movies like they, I did not know that there was a new Ghostbusters movie. I, I had no idea. No idea whatsoever that there was a new Ghostbusters <laughs> when some When somebody said to me, oh, have you seen the new Ghostbusters? I'm like, what, the, the one with the woman? That's That's been out for ages, hasn't it? And they're like, no, 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 there's a new one. I'm like, oh, okay. Um, yeah, so I, I don't really pay much attention to movies, so I'm probably the worst person to speak on this topic. But yeah, if you're like me and you just like mindless films um yeah just check review sites because they're really helpful imdb is kind of bookmarked on my browser uh because i go there very often to just see who's in a film who's directing it i think that's that's what it comes down to mirrors kind of what both of you said is it comes down to what your taste is and if a movie doesn't match your taste then i mean don't watch it you know Uh, don't waste your time and money on it um and don't let the oscars tell you that your movie is bad right i mean. If if you enjoy a movie and the Oscars say that it's not award-worthy, well who cares? I mean I mean uh, tick tick boom, Andrew Garfield probably his best performance ever did not win an Oscar, um and that is a really great movie. If you're looking for something to watch, watch that. In fact, I would yeah, yeah. go so far as to say go and look at the uh the Oscar nominees and watch everybody who didn't win. <laughs> uh, and let me ask you guys
1: yeah. Have you ever watched a movie solely because it won an Oscar? I'm trying to think now. I, I can answer because you know, I brought yeah. it up. No, I've never once seen, oh, this is an Oscar. I have to watch it immediately. It has never once touched sides in my mind. Um, all I know and all I've ever known about the Oscars is that People cared about it in the past, so there's a, an assumption that you should care about it in the present, which is a, a horrible line of thought. But that's all I've ever thought about. So yeah, it's it's never factored into any decision I've ever made about uh, about uh, content consumption. Yeah,
2: Robin, um, it's never necessarily informed my watching or not watching. I remember there was a lot of controversy around uh, Green Book,
0: mm. and
2: I love Mahersha Ali I think he's brilliant I watched Moonlight I thought he was amazing in that Yeah.
0: Um,
2: but the film itself didn't interest me and the fact that there was I guess a lot of controversy around it and it still won an Oscar again didn't interest me um, the same with uh, The Darkest Hour I know that Gary um, Oldman a lot of controversy mm. around uh, when he was being nominated and he won an Oscar so I try not to, to let those elements kind of sway me um, and a lot of the time I will have probably watched some of the movies uh, that are nominated for Oscar, and if they interest me, I'll watch it. If they don't interest me, and it's one Oscar, I probably won't watch it. I've never watched the artist, I have no interest in watching a black and white film uh, where there's no sound. It yeah, just don't interest me.
0: So, uh, I actually do have one, and um, the only reason I watched it is because of the Oscars, and that was um. Whiplash with J.K. Simmons, Um, I have no interest in drumming. Despite being a a pretty big music fan, drumming to me is just something that um, makes me anxious because drummers' minds work differently to normal human (laughs) minds. Um, They do. They really do. Ask a drummer to like, yeah, yeah, it just never interested me. All I know
1: about drumming is that people look down on drummers. I have no idea. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, sorry.
0: Yeah, so I was not interested in Whiplash. And then I saw that it had won an Oscar. And I was like, oh, maybe I should check this out. And it it was pretty good. Um, I say pretty good. It's probably one of JKSM's best performances. Um, And, yeah, I really enjoyed that. But it's the one time in my 34 years of existence where the Oscars has – influenced me to watch a film um, yeah I think for me it's more about actors and the director and the theme of the movie like uh, I'm going to talk about this again because I've spoken about it before but The Lighthouse is such a good movie and it was not a movie that I would ever have seen myself watching but damn what what a good film um, and I don't think that ever won an Oscar did it? I don't think so
1: uh, I could be mistaken Let me look.
0: I don't
2: think so either I feel I'm yeah. sure it was nominated for something
0: yeah yeah it was a re- but not for an Oscar, so it won Independent Spirit award uh satellite award um yeah, it didn't win um any Oscars, but that is a really good film if you have not watched it, it was on it's still on Netflix at the moment, and I highly recommend it. It's a bit actually if you're of a sensitive disposition, maybe don't watch it.
2: Who knew Mermaids and Anthony Little that?
0: Wow. Wow. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, if you want to watch a movie, just watch the damn movie. Nobody cares if it's won an Oscar or not. And I don't even think the people who who like go to the Oscars care that their movies win or not. It's all just a a big a big play, right? We're all just oh look at everybody and as I said the only people that really won the Oscars this year were social media firms uh, with everybody talking about what happened between Chris Rock and Will Smith Um, and obviously we're capitalizing on that now as well because everybody's talking about the Oscars so we're going to sue us don't sue us though please Um, and I think that's going to wrap it up from us does anybody have anything
1: else they want to add Clinton? Uh, Just watch whatever you want to watch don't let anyone influence you uh, try create a network of friends and content creators who have a similar taste and who can act as a recommenders for content.
2: Robin, anything to add? Yeah, just uh, be wise with your spending on streaming services. They can add up very yeah. quickly.
0: So yeah. Also, Apple. Now that you won an Oscar, please fix your user interface. It's so bad on everything <laughs> except your products. Just on the web. Just make it better on the web. Everybody uses the internet. Even you, even your people use the internet. So just make your UI better, please. Um, that's going to wrap it up from us. Uh, thank you once again to uh, Red Dragon for sponsoring this edition of the AfriCast. Um, there's one more ad after we say goodbye, so hang around for that. Uh, but from myself, Brendan lach from Clésor Matos. Bye, everybody. And from Robin Lee Chetty.
2: Take care everyone.
0: We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Long gone are the days where pink is for girls, blue is for boys, and Red Dragon now offers a variety of expertly crafted peripherals for gamers in pink. The over-the-ear Highless Orcs RGB gaming headset features memory foam for long gaming sessions as well as an omnidirectional microphone and built-in volume controls. No matter your platform of choice, the Red Dragon Store has a range of pink peripherals for you. Visit reddragon.co.za to find out more.